Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. This is my house, my Otto the Bulldog, my fire, and this is the Fireside Chat. Every week, which is amazing because you have no idea how much I travel, but this is really important to me. And it is it's just a chance. Sometimes I just I review this. It's a chance for you to get to know me, what, what we stand for at Prager University, what I stand for, and in the most, inf almost the most informal way possible. I mean, I'm somewhat formally dressed. I even explained that on a video, why, uh, why I wear a jacket and tie for the fireside chat. And, and you, by the way, you should look at past videos. These things are not dated. They're about life. Life issues aren't dated. So let's see. I always begin with some comments, and they were triggered in part by a question. So normally I go to the questions after my comments, but I'm going to read a question which will lead to my comments. Is that clear? Totally clear? Should I tell how Rodrigo ended up here? You want to hear a funny story, folks? This is, this is really funny. Behind the camera, the man making this possible camera-wise is Rodrigo. And uh, I'm going to embarrass him. He's a terrific guy. I, I hate to say it because it's going to go to his head, and I'm not going to hear the end of this. But anyway, Rodrigo's a terrific guy. So we had a PragerU party, Christmas party. Uh, we call it a Christmas party, not a holiday party, because the vast majority of people there are, in fact, people who celebrate Christmas. So I have this bizarre belief that the vast majority of people deserve to be honored in any given situation, unless they're evil. Okay, so anyway, we had a Christmas party, and they were raffling off all sorts of prizes. So they announce, okay, and now the prize, you get to visit Dennis during one of his fireside chats. And I assume a fair number of people there would have liked it. After all, they're there. And guess who won? Rodrigo! Is that awesome? I can't tell you. I laughed so hard I almost choked. The only, the only two people there for whom it would have meant nothing were Rodrigo and Megan. <laughs> Rodrigo won it. I can't think of an analogy. That's almost like winning a... If you won a prize to visit your home today. <laughs> It's not a big prize. You're, you're going anyway. Anyway, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, uh, what is it? L lucky. What is it? Lucky in love. Lucky in what is it? This is some phrase. I, L Rodrigo is lucky in love. So he is not lucky in, in uh, you know, in, what, in lotteries. So that's great. Better to be lucky in love. All right. So here's the question that triggered my... Uh, what I want to talk to you about. This is from Ryan in Franklin Township, New Jersey, USA. I often wonder what one can do to stick to New Year's resolutions. They are often arbitrary, but this year I want to be better with my time and more intentional toward friends and family. All right, so let me tell you folks, I'm a big believer in New Year's resolutions, even if you break them on January 3rd. I am. Because at least you have confronted what you want to be. What you want to be is the most important question in some ways you can ever ask about your life. 
Remember, I actually, I think I talked about this, right? Where what, asking a kid, what do you want to be? A lawyer, a doctor, an engineer, uh, an electrician, an IT expert, a CEO at a company, uh, God knows what, right? And uh, that's not the right answer. The right answer is I want to be a good person. I want to be a, a, a good citizen of my country. I want to be a good Christian, a good Jew, a good whatever it might be if, if you're in a good religion. So that's, that's a good answer. That's a better answer. So I like the idea of a New Year's resolution. I want to be better at. And you, you know what? If you really want to be something, there's a very good chance you will be it. Not if you want to be a millionaire. Uh, that there's, uh, that's not guaranteed. But if you want to be a certain type of person, you will end up it. I, 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 what hit me with, re, with regard to this was, I, I don't know how this arose, but I, I am a father and I am a father-in-law. One of my two sons is married. And I, I remember thinking, I want to be an easy father and father-in-law. That's, that was important to me because a lot of people have issues with parents. I mean, they're talking about adults and a lot of people have issues with in-laws. And I, I, I just wanted to be issueless <laughs> for my, my son and daughter-in-law. Now, you know, I, whether I've succeeded or not, you'd have to ask them. But it, that's been a goal. So that, that's so I am a fan of New Year's resolutions because at least you're confronting how you can improve. Right. Nobody takes a New Year's resolution to be a worse person. So clear or worse at something. So it's a good thing. It makes you confront what it is you could do better at. Point number two, you've got to be behavioral. So for example, let us say you would like better relations with your parents. I'm just, I was raised here, family issues. So wanting better relations with your parents doesn't mean anything. It's nice. It's sweet. And I want you to want that, but that that's not enough because it doesn't mean anything. You need concrete. This is the key. Your resolutions have to be as concrete, as behavioral as possible. So, for example, how about this? I know I, I did this when I was, when I left my parents' home at 21 years of age uh, with whatever issues I had with my parents. And like so many people, I did have issues at that time with my parents. Nevertheless, I called my parents every week until they died at 96 and 89 years of age. That's a long time to call them up. Every week, wherever I was, I called them up. That was this very specific act. Whether, whether I was in the mood to do it that week or not in the mood to do it that week was irrelevant. Moods are the worst possible sources of behavior. Don't let mood determine what you'll do. Your mind has to determine what you'll do. So the, that's a concrete thing. You want better relations? How about call them every week, every 10 days? I don't care what you decide. Every other day, I, I, that's not my issue. But something specific. 
I will do this. Want a better marriage? A be- a wanting a better marriage means nothing. You have to do something. And by the way, not it doesn't have to be enormous. In fact, the, the less enormous it is, probably the more likely you are to keep it. I'll, I'll give you other examples, but let's say you want a better marriage. So figure out what one thing, one thing, that's it, just one thing, will improve it. I don't know what it is for your marriage, but maybe maybe ask your spouse, hey, if I could do one thing, just please, let's keep it at one. We'll work on something else next year. But if I could do one thing that would make you happier to be married to me, what would it be? By the way, this, your spouse may not have an answer because it's so specific. You see, it's not enough to be, you know, more attentive. I mean, that doesn't mean anything. That's what I mean. General, I love generalizations, but generalized rules like that have no impact. That's like saying, I want you to drive more carefully. It doesn't mean anything. Just tell somebody, how about this? Every time you change a lane, signal. That's it. That's my only request of you. Then you're driving better. That, that's, that's, a, that's a perfect example. Is that, is that clear that the, the specific has to be what you're, uh, what you're after? So if you ask your spouse, and by the way, that might be, that might be a very, very big uh, help in, uh, in the case of, uh, of the spouse. Because I don't know if everybody's clear. If my husband or my wife could do one thing that would make me happier or make me, you know, just more loving even, what would it be? It, they may not have an answer. That's why it's, it's useless. Be more attentive. I'm just giving one example. That's useless. Spend 20 minutes with me every time you get home just talking about my day or your day. I'm not saying that's the answer. I'm just saying that means something, especially for a man. Men are great at rules, at directions. We need to be told exactly what it is. We will not read your mind. That should be given to every woman at the wedding. I love you, but I will not read your mind. Okay, just just, just the thought. So it's got to be specific. Okay, let's say another one. You want to be in better shape. You want to be, you want to lose weight, or you just want to, you want to be in better shape. You want, you want to, you know, be healthier physically. One thing, just one thing. So I, I know four years ago, they built uh, right next door to where I broadcast my radio show. They built a very, very high class gym. I joined it immediately and I said, I'm three days a week. I am going to work out. And with a trainer, by the way, that was another critical thing. It has for me and most people, it has to be a trainer. Because if I walked into a gym three days a week without a trainer, I would like saunter over to this machine do a couple of lifts, a couple of pushes, talk to some of the people in the place and get on, you know, get on a treadmill, watch some something uh, on, the, on the video screen and go home. And it would have been a total waste of time. My, however, trainers are all sadists and therefore they, they, they enjoy your suffering. And since there's no pain, no, no pain, no gain, 
I'm in pain. That's why it's, it cracks me up whenever I show up. And it's three days a week. Whenever I show up, they go, oh, uh, Dennis or Mr. Prager, whatever they call me, uh, enjoy your workout. And I'm thinking, you got to be kidding. Enjoy my workout? What, are you, what does that even mean? I enjoy after the workout. It's like enjoy giving birth. <laughs> Nobody enjoys giving birth. After the baby comes out, a woman is often, you know, overwhelmed by this love machine that's just come out of her. But the, the process, it's so in a sense, the process, I'm very happy right after it's over. I feel better. I know I'm stronger. I'm, I'm taking care of myself, but I don't look forward to it ever, ever. Enjoy your workout as a joke. Benefit from your workout. Great. Anyway, do a specific thing. So I will work out X number of times a week, or I will uh, cut uh, desserts by half. Just do one thing, or I will cut out bread. Okay? I, I, just don't go overboard. You won't do it. Just do one thing. And of course, if you do it for a month, there's a good chance you'll do it for two months. So those are my, uh, those are my suggestions on New Year's resolutions. Okay? Be specific and don't be grandiose. Okay, now we usually open up and we will with a video question. And here we go. Hi, Dennis. I'm Sophie. I'm a proud member of Prager Force at the University of Wisconsin River Falls from St. Paul, Minnesota. My question is, we usually see your Bulldog Otto in your fireside chats. As a dog fancier myself, I'm curious to know why you picked the Bulldog breed and what your favorite part about Otto is. Thank you. Sophie wants to know why I picked the Bulldog. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, this, I don't know if my answer, and my answer will is true, but I don't know if this will disappoint uh, you folks. But... <laughs> Uh, there is an answer to your question, actually. And what was the other part? Is there anything about Otto? Your favorite thing. My favorite thing about Otto? Uh, uh, I'll come to that afterwards. Okay, so why did, why did my wife and I... We picked two dogs, a Basset Hound and an English Bulldog. And my reason, and I think it was hers, but I can't speak for her. I mean, sometimes I can, but... I'll speak for me in this case. Those are the two funniest breeds of dog. That's the reason. You cannot look at either a Basset Hound or an English Bulldog and not crack up. All right, let's be honest. You know, I love a lot of, a lot of breeds of dogs. I mean, if you see a Great Dane, you don't start laughing. If you see a German Shepherd, you don't start laughing. They're great dogs. But him? Uh, you don't see his face right now. But an English bulldog face is a face only a mother could love. And, or a father in my case. So they, they make me laugh, and I love that. So what is the thing I most love is he relaxes me. He's a calming effect on the home. When he snores, he relaxes me. When he looks up at me, when his tongue is hanging out most of the day, 
He's just, he's a crack up. And why not? So, uh, okay. So that's the, uh, that's the auto. Now you don't, I don't think you've ever seen, uh, our, uh, have they ever seen the other dog? One Snoopy? He broke, in, so. he broke in one time. That was it. This guy is so funny. He now gets into this position whenever TV networks send people in here to interview me for, for, for the national TV show, whatever it might be. He sees lights go up. He goes right there. He, 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 it's very funny. It's his Pavlovian response. Hey, I got to get on set. All right. Next. Here we go. All right. Uh, this is also about Otto. Nathan, 25, Burns Harbor, Indiana. Howdy, Dennis. Howdy. I'm sad to bring this up, but do you think Otto has fallen to the second most famous dog in America now that Conan has been given a ceremonial medal by the president? So the president gave Conan, this was the dog that went on the, on the Osama mission? But that's a long time ago. Is the dog still with us? I don't remember exactly. Most recent. No, so it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't Osama. It was uh, with an, another leader, I guess, of uh, of ISIS. Yes, uh, yeah. The most recent. That, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't Osama, right? So uh, I'm very okay with Conan being more famous than Otto. That's it. The question is, how does Otto feel? I'm at peace with it, but I have not informed Otto of Conan's fame. My trust is it won't affect him because none of the fame has thus far gone to Otto's head, and I'm, I'm very impressed by it. Okay, Sam, 44 years old, Meridian, Idaho. On your most recent fireside chat, you said people are not basically good. We've heard you discuss this topic before. And Frank is quoted as saying, despite everything, I believe that people are really good at heart. How do you respond to her quote? My wife and I love you, Dennis. Love you, Dennis. Thank you. Give Otto a scratch for us. Otto, this is from... Uh, oh, Idaho. Okay, that's the man. Eh, it was Otto at his most energetic. By the way, he takes a very long walk with my wife. Believe it or not, this guy uphill. Uh, I, uh, my reaction to Anne Frank, she wrote that in her diary, the most famous Holocaust document. The teenage girl who, a Dutch Jewish girl who was hid, hid with her family until they were betrayed. Uh, by someone uh, to the Nazis who then shipped them to death camps and she was uh, died in one of the, murdered by the Nazis in one of the death camps. She was about 16 years old, I think, maybe 15, I don't know. Diary's very famous. And it gives a face to the, to the horror of the Holocaust. I know she wrote that. And my answer is, uh... It doesn't matter that she wrote it. I don't get uh, my wisdom from teenagers. 
that she was a, a, a wonderful young woman and wrote an unbelievably powerful document that will last forever is beside the point. I don't expect 16-year-olds, uh, unless they grew up in a religious Jewish or Christian home, she, she was a secular Jew, uh, most kids uh, believe that. But it is not true. So it, it, it has never been an issue for me, you know, well, do you disagree with Anne Frank? Well, so what? And by the way, I mean, to be very uh, serious for a moment, I would uh, be very curious. I've thought about this a lot. If I, if I were to be able to visit Anne Frank while in a concentration camp, would she have still believed that? We don't know. Okay, Rebecca, 22, Belton, Texas. Dear Mr. Prager, I am a big fan of fireside chats. So am I. I was homeschooled and did not attend college. So I like to claim Prager University as my alma mater. I think that's adorable and completely valid. We don't give degrees, we give wisdom, which is a lot more important than degrees. Why, what would what would like to? Hmm? I guess, all right. Uh, there's, there's a mangled uh, English here. Anyway, what, uh, it's not her fault, I'm sure, but what is your opinion on the phrase, ignorance is bliss? Thank you for your time. Uh, ignorance is bliss. Uh, there's a lot of truth to that. It's, it's, uh, so the question in life is, is are you willing to be ignorant in order to have some bliss? I want to be non-ignorant and happy. So, because uh, to be ignorant is not to be fully human. I want to be fully human and I want to be happy. So uh, you can choose, uh, I guess, to be ignorant uh, and, and retain some degree of bliss, I assume. But in general, uh, that's not, it's not a price I'm, pre I'm prepared to pay. I want to be aware and happy. What's our time? 23. Cool. Mustafa, 24, in Iraq, in Babil. Hello, Mr. Prager. For those of us living in Islamic countries and struggling with applying your advice and morals in our daily life, do you have a suggestion for us? I'm agnostic. Thank you so much for all the wisdom that's shared on your show and channel. I'm truly grateful. Well, I am grateful to you, Mustafa. Uh, uh, there, there is a crisis within Islam. There, there, there is. Nothing would please me more than to see a, a great moral movement emerging from within Islam. And right now, I don't see it. I see it with individuals. There are some fantastic Muslims, obviously. Uh, but as a, as, as, a, as a larger thing, for example, there are just, I'll use a religion I'm not a member of. I'm not a Christian. And there are so many wonderful Christians, Christians who 
volunteer their time in the poorest places in the world to help the poorest in the world. And, and who you know, adopt children with, with terrible disabilities and give charity and volunteer and, and deeply believe that it is their task to just demonstrate love to people. Many of them do. Not all Christians are wonderful, and certainly historically many Christians were terrible. My, my experience in America with Christians has been a very positive one. Islam has to, Muslims have to look within Islam and emphasize whatever is there that emphasizes goodness. And there are some parts that don't. I mean, the, the greatest Muslim writer in history, Ibn Khaldun, uh, I think the 15th century, uh, who wrote the Muqaddimah, the introduction to history, wrote, and I quote him in my book, which I book I, I don't mention enough. It's a very important book about the left Islam in America. Still the best hope it's called. It's really an important book, if I can say that about my own book. And... I quote uh, Ibn Khaldun there, and, uh, who said, unlike, and I'm paraphrasing, unlike Jews and Christians, we Muslims do believe in forcing people to convert to our religion. That's, that's, not, a good, uh, that's not a good doctrine. That's not a moral doctrine, in my opinion. So it, it's Muslims... I think most Islam needs a reformation. I, I do. And there are Muslims working at that in, in the United States and not only the United States. And there are some really, as I said, special people. So that's a challenge. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's not honest to deny that there is a moral challenge within Islam. And has been for many centuries. So you have to decide. You say you're agnostic, uh, and I and I respect that. You have to decide: Can Islam be used to produce good people? Not to produce believers, but to produce good people. That's that's the that's the. By the way, that's the question for all religions. And uh, that's how I judge religion. I judge religions by the fruit, their fruit. Every religion has bad fruit, so that's a given. But how much good fruit does your religion produce? That's that's the that's the big question. I'm not uh, I'm not a Mormon. I I have been very impressed by many of the Mormons that I have met. That's a, that's a, that's a that's a compliment to uh, the Mormon religion, or LDS, as they refer to themselves. Okay. Good luck. You give me hope, by the way, Mustafa. You do. And everything I say is applicable to anyone of any faith or no faith. Okay, let's see. I'll end with this one, I guess. Scott, 29, Chesney, South Carolina, 
USA. Hey, Dennis, huge fan. Thank you. What advice would you have for a male raised with no father who wants to live the best godly life he can without a healthy father presence growing up? The answer is to find another father presence. I tell men all the time, your task, every man's task, is to be a father figure to younger men. That is our task. The biggest single task men have is not to be president of the United States or the prime minister of whatever country you're listening from. The biggest task is to be a father figure, a good model to young men. That's the most important thing a young man could have. So it doesn't have to be a father. It could be another relative, like an uncle. It could be an older brother. Or it could be, a, a, as, as my psychiatrist friend, who has been a dear friend for, for, for 25, 30 years, Dr. Stephen Marmer, he speaks about a patient he had. It's a very interesting story. He had a patient many years ago. And he, his father was a traveling salesman, came home for weekends, and he was so happy to see his wife, he'd spend no time with the kids. So basically, he, his, his father was not in his life. During the week, he was a traveling salesman. During the weekend, he spent the time with, with, the, with his mother, with the guy's mother. So this man would go to the movies every Saturday. And he picked male figures in movies to be his father figure. And it worked. It doesn't work today because movies don't provide decent male models. It's one of the uh, post-1970s collapses of, of society. The men in 1950s movies were so much more impressive than in the men in movies since the 70s. Many of whom were just boys in male bodies. So uh, if I have that role in your life, even though we don't know each other personally, that's great. And, and not just me, but that, that, is, that is how. There's another answer too. And that's the reason, as I write in my commentary on the Bible, in, the, in my Genesis commentary, God is depicted in male terms. Not because God is a male. God is not male or female. But because if you don't have... One of the reasons, there are many, but if you don't have a male, if you don't have a father on earth, well, you do have a father in heaven. And to those of you who are atheists, this may sound absurd. I, I should do a broadcast on how, how much absurdity secular people believe compared to how much absurdity religious people believe. And believe me, uh, the, the secular... Uh, absurdities outnumber religious absurdities by a, a factor of 10. But anyway, yes, so a father in heaven can be a very powerful thing for, for a man. Well, anyway, happy new year. Since we took the new year's resolution thing, I wish you a good, happy, a year where you could look at the end and say, you grew. That's a biggie, to grow. That's a big one. I ought to talk about that once. That's a goal. So anyway, on behalf of 
Otto. And all of us, God bless you with a wonderful, healthy new year. Thank you for watching. If you'd like to keep these fireside chats free, please do by donating to PragerU.